Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. But we welcome you here today. If you're just visiting with us, we're in the middle of a message series entitled Busted Brackets. We're taking a little page out of pop culture today as the NCAA men's basketball tournament is running wild right now. There's been some incredible upsets. upsets. If you haven't seen uh, the uh, Northwestern game last night, there was chaos. There was controversy. Uh, Cinderella story, Northwestern going against Gonzaga and in the final minutes uh, because of a referee error and a coach uh, who is really passionate, uh, they end up losing their Cinderella story story bid. Uh, And speaking of Cinderella's, today we're going to focus on a Cinderella story that actually happens in the Bible. Um, You see, what we've been doing the last month is we've been following uh, along a gaggle of wanderers called the Israelites. And uh, we've been following their story through scripture, and we've been matching it to what happens in pop culture in this basketball tournament. You see, the first week we talked about the underdog moment where the Israelites are on one side and they're facing a huge foe called Jericho. And uh, they said, how can we do this? There's no way. And then we followed their stories of trusting God and going against Jericho, and they became an amazing underdog story. But then if you were here last week, we continued that story, and they went up to a smaller foe called AI, and they went up against them, and they said, ah, this is going to be easy peasy, rice and cheesy. It's going to be amazing. And they went right up against this gaggle of small town, and they got routed, a huge upset that happened against them. And that's where we're going to pick up today because now they're licking their wounds. They're sitting there trying to figure out what is going on, God? Why did you do this? Why is this happening? And then all of a sudden we're going to see where they and their amazing God are able to pull off a Cinderella story and to be able to do some of the most incredible things that you've ever seen. But before we begin, um, I've got a boat up here, and I'm going to use this boat a couple of different times, but I'll tell a story that leads us in to this message series. Um, uh, I was in college, my second year of college, and I was dating my bride at the time. We weren't married at that time. We were, you know, we still date, but, you know, we weren't married at that time. And so I went up to go see her in West Palm Beach, Florida, and it was a holiday weekend. And it was my first time to meet her aunt and uncle, to which she's very close to. And so they were looking forward to kind of size me up and figure out what kind of guy I was. And uh, so they decided that they were going to go on a little boating trip. Her uncle had a boat, lived off the intercoastal, and so we were going to go. We were going to jump in a boat. First thing I would tell you, I am not a boat person. I like boats. But I, I couldn't tie a knot if you told me, you know, if you, if you have me on your boat and you look at me and say, oh, Terry, jump off the boat and tie it up, I wouldn't know how to tie it up. I'm, it, has, it has a hoop, you know, I can do it, but everything else, just don't trust me. That would be a bad choice. So I get on this boat, and we're with the aunt and uncle, her kids. They have small kids and their family, and we're going, and the uncle turns and said, hey, we're going to go to a place called Mosquito Island. I'm like, ooh, that sounds wonderful. Um, True story. It's called Mosquito Island. The only way you can get to this island is by boat. And it's not inhabited, and you walk around, and during wrong times of the year, you will get eaten up by mosquitoes. So we're traveling along the water, and the uncle's asking me questions about me and my background and everything else, and I'm trying to be macho. Oh, yeah, kind of boat. What size is this? And I'm, oh, yeah, yeah, very great boat. Yeah, that's why it's got good power on it, huh? Yeah, it's got some good torque. You know, you just, by the way, ladies, we just say those words. We have no idea what they mean, but we use words like torque just to make us sound better. So I'm there, and all of a sudden, he gets close to the shore, and he says, hey, hey, do me a favor, run out and uh, can you jump off? Because I'm going to coast the boat up and slide it into the beach, but you got to be able to tie it off for me. Can you do that really quick? 
Sure, absolutely. Yes, sir. Yes, yes, whatever you need. So I'm panicked right now as it is. True story. I go, I run to the front. I don't know what side of the boat to jump off of because that's how novice I am. And I, I went ahead and I jumped and I was worried I was going to clip the edge and fall on my face, but I didn't. I jumped. I looked kind of masculine doing it. I jumped off. And I, when I landed, I landed. My first foot hit the grass because it was grass that I was landing on. My second foot was going to land right next to it. But what I didn't see was there was a hole covered by grass. So my next foot went straight through the grass, turned my ankle, and I heard a loud pop. And I went, but you can't show it, right? You know, you're trying to impress the family. So I I just try my best to walk around, and I grab the the rope, and I, I find a branch, and I tie it up, and I'm just, you know, and he's like, okay, great. And everybody starts jumping down. And So they jump down, and the next thing, the four-year-old who has taken a liking to me says, will you carry me? True story. Now, I can't look at this four-year-old and say, tough luck, kid, walk yourself. I can't do that. That'd be bad in front of the aunt and uncle. So I I said, sure, of course. Meanwhile, I am throbbing in pain. I know I've done something to my ankle. Um, I would find out later that I actually broke um, my heel. Um, and so I went ahead and I picked her up and I put this four-year-old on my shoulders and we walked that entire island with my ankle throbbing and my foot. And I did the best faking job that you can imagine walking like this into a couple times. Are you okay? Oh, fine. Yeah, absolutely great. Just wonderful, you know, doing this. Um, bottom line is I got home. I came, went into, ran into my, well, didn't run. I kind of limped into my bedroom so my parents wouldn't see it. Next morning, woke up, couldn't walk, had to go to the emergency room. And thus was my first broken bone that I ever had. Bottom line was, the reason why I'm telling the story is, is the uncle found out about it. He called me and he said, hey, and I'll never forget this conversation. He said, hey, he said, are you okay? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. And so he said, yeah, I heard what happened. He said, uh, let me just tell you something. He said, you're either one of two things. He said, you're either crazy or he said, you're a pretty good young man because anyone who's willing to walk around an island with a broken foot to carry my child to impress us must really, really be all in and love my niece. And so we like you a lot. And I'll never forget that word. He said, you, you must be all in. You were willing to go through all that. You must be all in. And I think the question for a lot of us today and for you that we're going to try and answer today is here's the question. Are you all in? Um, if you're a visitor and you've been coming for a few weeks, same question applies. Maybe not necessarily with our church, but in your spiritual life. Are you all in? And so as we take a look at these Israelites, to be really honest with you, we're about to get to the point where they're about to face the same people that they lost to, the same team that they got routed from. And they're about to pull off a Cinderella story because no one expected them to come back and defeat them, not even themselves. And really the question they had to answer was, are we all in? So let's pick it back up because they're about to go against AI and God has some pretty interesting plans for them. Take a look with me. By the way, if you have the YouVersion Bible app, you can follow along and the notes are already provided uh, on your iPads or your iPhones through the YouVersion Bible app. You can download it or follow along here. Then the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid or discouraged. Take all Focus on that. Take all your fighting men and attack Ai. For I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. Now, first off, that we see right away. If you were here last week, and those of you that weren't, let me pay close attention. They defeated Jericho. They did everything that God wanted. 
Then last week, they go against this smaller town called Ai. And when they were looking and scouting them out, they said, ah, we don't need that many people. We'll just take a small little fragment. And then there was a guy by the name of Achan. And Achan decided on his own, ah, I can take us some of this stuff that God's not watching. I'll just do my own thing. And because they did their own thing, because they disobeyed God, they were routed. And so now God looks at him and says, okay, guys, don't be afraid or discouraged. Here's the truth. I know in my life, Anytime there's an upset in my life, anytime I have a failure in my life, anytime I've tried something and haven't been able to accomplish it, right away I am discouraged and I think I don't know if I can do it. And God comes down and speaks to them like he does to us and says, hey, don't be afraid or discouraged. I'm with you. Let me illustrate this another way. When I was going to my first year of college to play baseball, I knew I have to go weightlifting. I did not like weightlifting. I did not like going to the gym. As you can tell, I did not like weightlifting. There's not much here. And so I remember saying, if I'm going to go play college ball, I got to get stronger. So me and another buddy who also was going to college to play baseball, we said together, let's go together. We'll work out together. We'll encourage one another. I said, great, let's go. So we started, and if, if you guys, those of you in the room have weightlifted before, you know, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, we're going to bench. We're going to start, and that really, ladies, this is kind of just a contest for men. We just want to, you know, how much weight can you lift up? And it really is a competition in the weight room. So you can find someone that is like right around you, then you're comfortable. You never work out with a guy who's about 600 pounds more than you and can bench because you just, you feel lousy. So I went with them, and we're there, and we start. And on Monday, we're putting up the same weight. And I'm like, yes. The next Wednesday, we put a little bit more on. And both of us were able to, yes, we're getting stronger. We're making a difference. Friday came, Monday came, Wednesday came, Friday came. And we're both around the same. And we're both getting stronger together. And then something happened the third week. All of a sudden, we put some weight on. And my friend got on the bench. And he went ahead and he put up. And he put it up really easily. And then I got on the bench. And I went to go put this this extra weight on. And I couldn't do it. And I was a little discouraged. But in weightlifting, sometimes you have a bad day. And so I was like, oh, next day, we're going to go ahead and do it. So we went the following Wednesday. He went up another five pounds. I tried to get to where he was at Monday, and I tried to push it again, and I couldn't lift it. Friday, same thing. He went up another five pounds. I actually had to take five pounds off. I was discouraged. In fact, the next week, he called me and said, hey, are we going weightlifting? I said, no, I'm done. I didn't want to go and feel like a failure. Here's the truth. I went to the doctor afterwards, found out that I had a torn rotator cuff. And the doctor said, it's no wonder that you couldn't lift anymore. The point of the matter is sometimes we, t- we take a look at what's ahead and we give up. I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do it. When the truth is, is all we need to do is have truth. The doctor says, you have to do this to get stronger. You can't do this way, in which I did, and I got a lot stronger. Some of us, it's just a matter of looking to the truth. And God is truth, and he says to the Israelites, trust me, take all your men, don't be discouraged, and move forward. Follow along with me here. Joshua 8.2, you will destroy them as you destroy Jericho and its king. Now pay close attention. But this time, you may keep the plunder, the livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the town. Now pause. If you're just visiting with us, you look at that and that doesn't mean anything to you. But if you were here last week, some of you are starting to say, wait a second, hold on a minute. And so for you new people in the room, last week, the reason why they got in trouble, the reason why they got routed and lost, the reason why people lost their lives was because somebody took the plunder and they weren't supposed to. And so now, all of a sudden, God says, hey, by the way, when you attack AI, now you can take the plunder. 
I don't know about you, but when I read these things, I mean, some of you have a lot more faith than I do, but when I read them, you know, I just look and say, why now? Why is this okay now? Why, you know, why would people died back then? Why now? I don't understand. I don't get this God. And I was sitting at my desk and when I looked at this, it really hit me and said, I just sometimes God, I just don't understand your plan. And then it dawns on me and I want to encourage you with this. In your life, when you face different things, that you're going to have questions for God. Anytime I deal with a family that has lost a child, I look at them and there are no words to comfort someone who's lost a child. There's no amount of scripture that I can pour into that can take the sting away from someone losing a child. And I've learned as a pastor, it's not necessarily the words that you say. It's the fact that there is an amazing God, an incredible God that loves them more than anything. And there are some things that we will not understand that there are bad things that are going to happen here and we're not going to have all the answers. And when we get to heaven, then we can have some answers. But right now we just have to trust in his sovereignty and in his plan. I've learned two things in seminary. A lot of people say, Terry, what'd you learn in seminary? I went to seminary and I left and we have a joke in seminary. At the end of learning all about the Bible stories, all the different original languages, we learn two very, very important things. And if you are struggling today because you're not understanding where you're at in life and not understanding how God could do something in your life, here are two things I want to encourage you with. Number one, there is a God. And number two, you're not him. Sometimes we forget that that's God and that God has a plan for our lives and that we don't understand that plan. But if you read through scripture, you see a consistency and a fortitude of God. You see principles and promises of God and you know that you know that you know at the end of the day, I might not understand everything, but I have the faith to trust my God that to know that he has a better plan for my life. So I want to encourage you today. For some of you, that might be your word today. There's a God and you're not him and that he has a plan to better you, to prosper you, one for your future. And maybe you will need to be at his feet to say, all right, God, I didn't get this one. Can you explain it to me? And maybe only then will you have some of the answers that you seek. But you don't stop trusting him along the way. Continuing on. So Joshua and all the fighting men set out to attack Ai and Joshua chose 30,000. He chose, he was all in. He chose the best warriors and sent them out at night. Here's the point. God looked at Joshua and said, Joshua, last time you lost to these people because you weren't all in. You kind of got comfortable with me. You got comfortable with my relationship with you. You didn't come to me like you did before. You didn't ask me all the things like you did before. You went ahead and assumed based on your intellect that they're a smaller town, so we don't need to even mess with them. We're so big and strong, we'll just send a small group of soldiers and we can take care of them. You also thought that you could do whatever you want to do because, ah, God's not going to care. We can just, we're comfortable. We can kind of do our own thing. And so Achan stole some things. And because of that, you were routed. You got comfortable. And here's, here's something, and I want to share this with you because I think it's important every once in a while in a church to remind a church and by the way, if you didn't realize, you're the church. It's not the building. You're the church. It's important to remind the church of a couple of very important things. Number one, if you have been a Christian for 40 years, if you are just a Christian, the truth, whether you're a 40-year Christian or a one-year Christian, God always has a next step for you. There is never a point in our Christian life where we should get comfortable like an Achan 
or we should feel like, oh, well, I'm in a really good routine, so I don't need to press. I don't need to improve. I don't need to ask God every morning, God, you have an incredible plan, and I'm a part of it. And this morning, I would just ask you to reveal or to show me what you want me to do. I can promise in this room there might be two of you that got up this morning and said, God, I pray that you would reveal to me, teach me, show me something that I may be a better man, a better woman, a better father, a better mother. Show me today. Isn't it true, church? Isn't it true that we should do that every day? That every day we know that there's a God and he's him and I'm not. I'm not the God of my life. He is. And so why wouldn't we get up in the morning and say, God, My plan is your plan, so what do you have for me today? How can I improve my life today? What do you want me to do today? Here's the problem. There's a lot of us that act like Achan. There's a lot of us, like we talked about last week, we get comfortable. I've been here, done that. I've got the Christian t-shirt. And we don't challenge ourselves to take another step of faith. And we become comfortable, we become sedentary, and then God doesn't do incredible things in and through our life because we've settled And so here's, just bear with me if you've been a part of this church, you know some of this, but I want to encourage you. If you've been coming to our church for the last few weeks, the last few months, and if someone says, hey, are you a member of this church? Again, it's not about being a member of a church. Is this the place where you feel as if, you know what, I connect with those people. I want to be in this church and I'm learning from God. If you would say in your heart, that's me. I like this place. I'm learning and I'm growing. If that's you, then your next step is to go to this lunch. And that lunch is starting point. We talk about it every five weeks. But we don't put it here just to have lunch. We put it here for you. Because there's many of you that we want to challenge you to take your next step. And in that lunch, we're going to give you an orientation of our church. We're going to share our mission, our vision, our values as a church. You'll be put around tables with different church members because the church is not a building, it's the people. And so your next step is to say, you know what, God, you have called me here. I feel like I'm growing here. Then the next step for me would be to connect, to be able to grow. And so I need to do that. I need to take my next step. And so it's a not scary at all, and it's a very short amount of time. But if that's you, your next step is to sign up for starting point. Oh, that you would just trust God enough to say, you know what? There's no commitment level anyway. We had 36 people show up. We had 20 people join the church. 16 people said, not ready yet. And you know what I say every time? Hey, there's no pressure whatsoever. We're just doing this so that you can take your next step, no matter where you're at or where you feel like. Now, if you've already gone to starting point, and if you're a member of our church and you haven't even been to starting point, I say go to starting point. But then for those of you that have already done that, I want to challenge you to take your next step. And the next step is this, it's foundations. Now, let me pause and just pay attention. Don't, don't nod off. I promise this is really important. Some of the problems in churches sometimes is there's a lot of Christians or a lot of people that come into a church and they don't really know what this is. I come, I listen to music, I listen to the guy up there, and we go home. And that's about it. That's how I was. But the reason why we want to encourage anybody who's gone to starting point to go to foundations is this. I was sarcastic when I was younger, a lot more than I am today. And I used to sit where you're sitting. And I used to look at the guy on the stage. And if he would share something based on scripture, and he would challenge me sitting there and say, you need to stop doing this, or you need to start doing this. I used to sit back and say, why should I care? Who are you? Why should I believe that? 
Why is that true? Why should I do this? And if, I, if you're new here, I would ask the same questions. The reason why we tell you to go to foundation is very simple. When you go to foundations, you will learn after taking that course. It's one hour. After taking that course, and by the way, it's today. So those of you that have nothing to do after this, you can actually take it. It's at 1130. But at the end of that hour, you will learn without a shadow of a doubt that the Bible, God's word, is true. That you can trust it. That you can believe in it. There are information that we're going to give you in there that will knock your socks off. If you ever doubted whether the Bible and the stories are actually true, you will leave there going, I'm sorry. You know, I still might have some doubts, but that's pretty impressive. I want to encourage you to go because I want all of you that are sitting in this room that when I open up Joshua and we talk about the scripture and we pour into our lives, that you actually sit and say, I should trust that because it's true. And so foundations will give you a foundation as a Christian to know I can believe that what is being taught is true. Here's a really, really important one that many of you are doing and some of you are not. The next step, for those of you who've done those two things, very simple, it's to be a part of a group. And we say all the time, we've got groups that happen during the week. We have groups that happen on Sunday morning. And I want to encourage you, if you're not a part of a group, you need to be a part of one. If there's not a group that's comfortable for you, you need to talk to Pastor Everett or myself and say, hey, there's really not a group for me. And we'll get on it. Because it's really important for you to be connected, to encourage one another and be a part of a group. I'm a part of a group. Now, some of you would say, well, you're the pastor. Yes, I'm the pastor, but I believe so much in this that I have a group tonight I'll be meeting with. And I don't go as the pastor. I sit as a friend and as a neighbor, and we all pour into each other's lives. That's how much I believe in being a part of a group. And I want to challenge you. If you're not a part of a group, you need to find out what groups we have and you need to challenge us to get better with them if there's not one for you. And we will do that. Some of you need to start a group on your own and we can help you to do that. Last but not least, and I've hit this drum many times, so I'm not going to belabor it, but God has gifted every single one of you with a gift. You all have such amazing talents, incredible talents. And some of you are sitting every week and you're not using them. You're not getting up and saying, God, how might I be used? And God looks at you and says, you have the gift of encouragement. Oh my goodness, you can change a life today. You have the gift of teaching. You can pour into someone and change the direction and the course of their life and generations. But you don't believe that because, oh, it's just me and I can't make too much of a difference. Some of you need to look within and say, God, what have you gifted me? And how can I be used to make a difference? Here's the promise I make. When you start serving, for those of you that need to take that next step, when you start volunteering and serving, your life will never be the same. For those of you that do serve, you know this. You can't go back to church and not serve because you know what your heart goes through when you actually make a difference. It's an incredible thing. That's my soapbox for our church. Now let's continue the story, and I have a story to tell you because God is looking at the Israelites and he's saying, go all in. And as a church, when we take next steps, when we do those processes, we as a church say, Terry, I'm all in. I want to take a next step and I'm ready to go. And I want to tell you something. It's so important for everyone to be on the same page. It's important for everyone to be all in because when you do, you can make an incredible difference. Let me give you another illustration. I know beyond a shadow of my doubt, I have, I have the ironclad test that if you're single in this room and you're looking for a spouse, maybe you're dating the person next to you. If, if you are, you need to pay really close attention. If you're married, pay really close attention because this might solve a few things for you. 
I know how you can tell whether or not you are married to the right person or whether you should marry the person. It's true. It's ironclad. It's tested. You you have no doubts. I learned this a long time ago. And I've got a kayak here for your type A personalities. I'm going to call it a canoe. It's okay. The world's not ending. You just have to trust me. It's a canoe. And so I, when I was dating my wife, Jennifer, we decided to go on a canoe trip together. I will caution you. If you want to find out whether or not this person is the right person for you, go on a canoe trip. You will find out. We went ahead and we got in the canoe. I told you I'm not a boat person. Now that sounded like a broke Pete. I'm sorry if it did. And so I remember getting in the, in the canoe and my wife looked at me and she was, we were dating and she says, Do you, have you ever canoed before? I know how to canoe. I said, just give me a paddle. I mean, it's, you just paddle. I mean, it's not a big deal. And we were going down a river and the river had a lot of mangroves. The mangroves had huge spider webs. By the way, the river was also known to have crocodiles in it. So we get in it and my girlfriend at the time looks at me and says, you know what you're doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, how hard can it be? So you're going to steer. Yeah, yeah, I'll steer. I'll steer. I'll, you know, I'm a man. I can, I can just, you know, get power. And yes, we'll, we'll get through this. So we got in and true story. The first, first go around had so many quick turns and mangroves coming out that I put her, because she was in the front, into mangroves and spider webs about four times before we got about 100 yards out. It was not a pretty sight. She's looking at me, and it was awful. It was a three-hour, you ever hear like, you know, uh, Gilligan's Island, a three-hour tour? It was a three-hour canoe trip. And by the end of it, we weren't talking to each other. It was awful. We weren't on the same page. She's yelling at me, put your paddle in this way, because she lost all trust in me. I said, start rowing. And she's like, I'm tired. I'm like, row. By the end, I kid you not, I was sitting there going, I don't know if I want, I'll hold in on this. This is not looking good. We stayed together. We got married. I knew if I could last three hours in a canoe with her that we could marry. So if you want to find out if it's the right person sitting next to you, go on a canoe trip. You'll find out. But here's the point. In order to be a successful canoeer, I don't know if that's a word, but we're going to go with it. You have to be all in together. You have to be synchronized. I was reading an article this week of of an Olympic team, and I just have no idea about boats. And all of a sudden I started looking, and do you know an Olympic team, when they're all in together and they're all rowing together, there are terms that they use that I don't even have the definitions for them, and I'm not even going to fake it. But take a look at this. There are terms like rowing together, force time pattern, force measurements, velocity, stroke onset times, blade depth, catch timing, peak forces, row correlation. I don't know what any of that means. But when they get into the boat, do you want to know why one group goes faster than another? It's those reasons. They're all together. They're all in. If you want a better family, how important it is for a husband and wife to be all in together? If you want a great family unit, how important it is for you to do things together as a family so you don't see your kids start splitting apart and see the family fractured? If you want to be all in as a church and do incredible things like some churches are doing, it's important for the church to be all in together, all rowing in the same direction. One of the greatest examples of an ordinary man doing extraordinary things is a man by the name of Walt Disney. And people all around the world go to look and to study what, how Walt Disney and how the Disney World Company, how they do things at their parks because it's incredible what they do. And there's a story from a book I read recently that tells you, and it gets to my final point, but it shows you how important it is for everyone to be on the same page. So take a look at this quote. 
Walt Disney was walking through Disney World before its completion with a small group of his department heads. Suddenly he stopped, pointed to a specific area, and said, I want 10,000 fireflies over there. The head of construction asked, don't miss this, when? When? Notice that the man did not say, but. But Walt, where could we possibly find 10,000 fireflies? Or wouldn't 5,000 be sufficient? Perfection, absolute top quality was the value here. Just do it, please. The man said, when? No second guessing, just when? He understood that for Mr. Disney, perfection was the value, a value the man himself obviously also bought into. This came from Bob Boylan, get everyone in your boat rowing in the same direction. Here's the point and I'm done. Some of us love to wake up and when God says, hey, you need to take your next step, instead of saying when, we look at God and we say, what? But I can't. You don't understand. That's too difficult. I'll have to change my schedule. She'll not like this. That'll put me in a bad position. God, this can't happen. We don't say when. We look at God and say everything else except for when do you want me to do it, God? And the Israelites at the end, God says, take every single person, be all in. And the Israelites looked at God, Cinderella story, and they said, God, win, and we'll do it. And I close by showing you what God's people did when they just said, win. Take a look. Then the Lord said to Joshua, point the spear in your hand toward Ai, for I will hand the town over to you. And Joshua did as he was commanded. As soon as Joshua gave this signal, all the men in ambush jumped up from their position and poured into the town and they quickly captured it and set it on fire. You want to grow in your relationship with God. You want to make a difference in your family. You want to change the course and direction of today. Forget the rest of your life today. You want to get better today? Then when God says, Christian, doubter, skeptic, anyone who's interested in me, you want to be better? Then when I tell you to do something, don't say what, don't say but, just say when. And then I can do incredible things in and through you. Are you all in? That's the question for you today. Let's pray. Father, in this moment, this is your moment. And for all of us sitting in this, here's what I want you to do. If you're sitting in the pews right now, I just want you to sit and our band is going to play and they're going to lead in a song, but I want you to sit and I want you to pray. I want you to seek after God's heart in this moment. And all I want you to ask is this to God. God, what is it that you want me to do? What is my next step? And here's the thing. When that next step pops into your mind, Don't say but. Don't say I can't. Say when, God. And you will begin to grow like never before. Father, this is your moment. May you speak to every person in this room, even the skeptic, even the visitor. May you speak clearly. And I pray you'd receive the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.